What if you could be doing something smarter with your money that creates income now? If you're wanting to get ahead financially and enjoy greater freedom of choice, if you want a comfortable retirement and you know you'll have more choices if you can do more with your money now, if you've wondered who else is creating ways to make their money work for them and you want actionable ideas with honest pros and cons and no fluff, welcome to the Richer Geek Podcast. We're here helping people find creative ways to build wealth and financial freedom. I'm Mike Stoller, and in this podcast, you'll hear from others who are already doing these things and learn how you can too. Welcome back to the Richer Geek Podcast. This is Mike, and on episode 71, we shared how I'll be transitioning to hosting the podcast. Many times, episodes are recorded several months in advance, so during this transition, sometimes you'll hear hybrid episodes. This is one of those, and we hope you enjoy today's episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Richer Geek Podcast. Today's guest reminds us that in order to reach your financial goals, you should create a plan, block out the noise, and slow down. Jonathan Dio is the best-selling author of Mindful Money, which is about simple practices for reaching your financial goals. And Jonathan's a California-based fee-only financial planner, and he's an advocate for financial literacy education, which he chats a little bit on the show, and fiduciary responsibility in the advisory community. I read Jonathan's book, and I found one of the most helpful pieces of advice to be, especially right now. Turn off the news. Don't read the business section for a while and don't watch the market. Let's jump into the show. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Nicole. Glad to be here. I'm really excited to get into this episode. We were chatting a little bit prior, and I was kind of giving you a little of my experience, and I feel like uh, a fee-only financial planner or advisor is, is really the way to go, and there's too many different options. There's too many different choices. It's kind of hard sometimes to manage on your own, but who do you trust who's not going to just be selling you something that pays them a high commission? So tell us a little bit about your, your uh, kind of philosophy, and then we'll dive into some of the details. So I guess to, to really get into the philosophy, you kind of have to know some background. And you know, I started in this industry on the Wall Street side. Like I could fog a mirror, I got hired for sales and I would cold call and sell people. I would sling preferred stock. I'm in the Bay Area, so Pacific Gas and Electric preferred stock was the thing I would sell. And you know, I've tried lots of different ways to invest, um, but this, this, this was after seven years of philosophy and religious studies. So the, the story goes like this. Uh, I was raised and when I was nine years old, I bought my first stock. And so I've always had a really deep interest in the stock market and investing. And uh, throughout college, I thought, you know what I should do is I should, I should take my student loans and, and, uh, uh, and, and buy real estate, right? So that, that'd make a good, you know, I could take out extra student loans, I could buy real estate. So I've always had this idea of investing. And because of that, when my first wife said, okay, Jonathan, it's time for you to be done with your um, studies so she could study, I had to find a job. 
and I dropped out of a degree program in Buddhist studies. And so it's, it's Buddhist studies and I didn't finish. So there's no job. So I was like, what do I do? How do I figure this out? So I went to wall street and they, they hired me as a salesperson, but I've had all this history of getting to know people in psychology that builds into um, how to serve people, how people think. And I've been investing my whole life. And now by now I have, I'm 49. I've got 40 years of investing. I've tried everything. And what I've realized is simplicity is better. Low cost is better. And, and this is, this is the really important thing. And this is where the book comes from. It's not about your portfolio. It's about you. The ability to, the, the ability to hold on when things aren't working is more important than picking the right things or timing the market. And so when you have someone like um, uh, Bogle or, or Warren Buffett say, you know, buy the index, just hold that, don't think about it. That's actually a really good advice, but the problem is we all panic when markets go down 30% or 50% or not just panic, we also have this fear of missing out when the thing we own is up 20, but other stuff is up 40. So the idea is the difference between what I'm doing and what other people are doing shouldn't determine your outcomes. So simple, low cost, planning based, and mindfulness is your best tool to stick with it. That's so timely for where what we are going through right now with the pandemic, but also I am really guilty of that myself, right? I am really guilty of saying, you know, I'd, I'd rather move some of this to cash. I don't want to lose this, right? And then I, I will say I missed out on some rallies that have happened. So being able to stay committed and know that you've got a long-term horizon and simple as well. Now, you talked about planning, um, goal-focused and planning-driven. What, what does that look like? How do you help your clients figure that out? So the, the way things are right now is the vast, and, and anytime there's a crisis, we become more this way. The vast majority of people are um, market focused and performance driven. The, the problem with this is nobody can predict or control performance. Nobody knows the future relative performance of anything, much less you know, Bitcoin versus stocks or stocks versus real estate, or no one can tell the future. The best thing you can do is really think about what's important to you. And in, when, when you read my book, the first section is about all these illusions and all this stuff that's, that's, you know, Wall Street speak that actually doesn't matter. The middle section is about figuring out what's important. And academics, you know, philosophers, you know, religious people, um, and, and more today than ever before, psychologists, they know what matters. They know. Health matters, learning matters, experiences matter, relationships matter, optimism matters, gratitude matters, generosity. They know the stuff that makes for a meaningful and happy life. So we have to start with that. And they have the, they have the research, but then you gotta read the research or understand the research and then really go inside. You have to reflect, you have to think about what's important to me. And so when we talk about goal focused, that really starts with what do I want my life to look like? Because when you start knowing what makes you happy, what makes you tick, you know, what, what drives you to get up in the morning, what excites you, when you start understanding what those are, that tells you what I should be doing with my life. And if I know what I should be doing with my life, I know all the things I can trade away. If you don't do that, the, you know, the flip side of that is you go out into the world, you open up your Facebook page, 
and everyone is doing something cool and you, oh, that's cool. Oh, that's cool. Oh, that's cool. I can do that. Oh, that'd be fun. I'd like to do that. And then suddenly we want to consume more and do more. And none of the stuff is the stuff that's core to us. It's all, it's all neat stuff. I'm not saying anything that does anything wrong here. It's just, if you don't know what's important to you, you'll just do anything that sort of makes you feel good right now. So goal focused is critically important to start with. Know you, know what's important to you. If you're in a, if you're in a relationship, you and your partner got to figure this out together. What, what drives us? What makes us happy? How, how do we become closer together? And so once you know those goals, then it's a matter of, it, you know, this is the simple part, actually. It's the math. It's how do I line these things up for the lifetime of cash flows? You know, I'm, you know there's, there's some very basic goals. Everyone, regardless of, of the kind of job they have, eventually has to retire. When they retire, they need to have an income that rises to match the rising cost of living. That retirement income is, you know, it's the last trade-off we ever make. Between here and there, I might want to send my kids to school. I might want to start a business. I might want to leave a legacy. I might want to, um, you know, write a book. Uh, you know, uh, there's all kinds of things I might want to do. Buy a house, buy a car, take, you know, uh, take a massive sabbatical, six months off, travel the world, whatever those things are for you. You have to line them up in terms of what they cost, put numbers to them. And then you got to figure out, okay, these, these are what these things cost. What do I have to save to make each of those things come true? And then you, you got to look at your income and say, okay, uh, I don't have enough income to do all those things. Okay, so prioritize what's most important. Let's make sure I can do that thing. Oh, I have, a little, I have more income. I can do more things. Okay, what's the next most important thing? What's the next most, most important thing? The things we control are to some extent what we earn, to some extent how much we save. These are the things we have the most control over, what we earn, how much we save. The thing we can't control at all is what markets do. And I watched a bunch of your episodes and I, I love it, the idea of, of all the different ways people can invest and any, any of those work but you have to stick with one of them. You have to find the one that works and not, not switch from this one to this one, to this one, to this one, to this one, not be concerned about what's happening, happening outside of, of what, you know, what your life is. Uh, find your, find your lane and stay in it. Save more, um, earn more, save more, invest more, and just, and keep going. The way, the way I do it, the way I invest is very, very simple. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to outguess anything. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm very, very uh, vanilla asset allocation, diversification. I, I believe in that. I believe in that long-term. I'm never going to change that. That's what I preach. That's what I teach. I also say there's no value in, in trying to outguess that. All the little different ways you can invest. Yeah, they might work. They might not. I can't predict that. I do know that if I earn more and save more, if I, if I base those decisions upon where I want to end up along the way, all those milestones and that retirement income and maybe that legacy at the end, I know that if I think about it that way, I can make it happen. If I trade off the things that aren't so important, if I can ignore, mindfully ignore the stuff that, you know, might look fun, it might be very interesting, but doesn't add to my long-term value and the meaning for my life. If I can trade that away and just focus on the stuff that matters to me, I'll be happier. I'll also have better financial outcomes because I'm focusing, focusing those, my resources on the things that matter to me. So I'll have better outcomes, I'll also live a saner life. I won't have to deal with all the crazy all the time. So it's not just about, you know, the magnitude of returns. It's about reaching the goals that I have. And I have a plan for that. That's goal-focused, planning-driven. I can definitely see your 
philosophy and religious studies background just be, it kind of reminds me of just being at peace right and, and saying okay this is you know nothing nothing happens overnight and it doesn't happen that way no matter what vehicle you choose if it's real estate investing you do not go out and buy your first 100 unit apartment complex without either someone who has experience or working your way up to it so uh, all of that takes time now tell me a little bit about your overall practice so as a as a fee only advisor you help people create these plans but then what elements do you look at and pull into the overall plan so the, the practice, so there's, there's actually three things we do in our office. Um, you know, for the first 20 some years of my, of my life, I worked with su successful families, right, around what we call wealth management. And this is the deep, you know, face-to-face -face financial planning, portfolio design, asset management, legacy work, you know, philanthropic work that we do with families. Um, the second thing is, you know, for about a decade now, I've been working with companies um, to provide lower cost retirement plan services combined with ongoing education for their employees. So that we don't work with all companies. We just, we work with companies that really want to give uh, that financial literacy and financial education training um, a serious look for their, for their employees. Um, I think that we will all benefit from a more mindful approach to money. And so we're, we're not doing that as a, as a, um, we're not making a lot of money at that. That's just a way for me to reach out to more people to have a bigger impact. And then for the last couple of years, we've been writing and speaking about the benefits of mindfulness specifically um, applied to personal finance. Um, so it, in the practice, what goes into the, in the practice, in the wealth management practice when we're working with families and individuals, everything goes into it. So every financial decision that anyone ever makes, do you buy a car, do you lease a car? Should I buy this house? Should I go for a bigger house? You know, should I retire in this area or should I move to another state? Um, how do we manage taxes? How do we plan for the next five years taxes? So, so when we're doing planning, we get into the weeds on everything. Um, the first thing we get into the weeds on though, and this is you know, the thing that comes before planning is that, is that values discussion. Again, it's really easy to like fill out a, a 10 question questionnaire, sort of a risk tolerance questionnaire. It'll give you, it'll pop out, here's your asset allocation and it's fine. But if, if you're aimed at your asset allocation, you're not gonna end up happy right? Figure out what's important to you first. And we've got systems and processes for that. And then plan based on that. And then maybe that asset allocation that the, that the, that the eight question thing spits out is right. But tomorrow you're going to wake up and you're going to feel differently. So do you update your asset, your asset allocation every day based on how you feel? No, you don't. So you have to have a deeper understanding of how these things work so that you can hold on when things are go sideways or go negative or, I mean, you spoke to two things, right? One, sometimes we get really excited about stuff and we buy it at the wrong time. And the other thing is sometimes we get really despondent about stuff and we sell it at the wrong time. And that's, that's because we we're just reacting. We're reacting, we're reacting, we're reacting, we're reacting to performance, we're reacting to markets, we're reacting to reacting to what some pundit or, or you know, uh, economist is saying about what's going to happen next. They don't know. We don't know. We need to stop predicting. I mean, seriously, stop predicting. No one can do it successfully. All the research says that. So there's a better way, right? Um, plan first, stay diversified, broad asset allocation, and rebalance on a regular basis. Those are, it's so simple. It actually is really, really simple, but people don't do it that way. Um, they get, you know, caught up in all the buzzers and whistles out there. And, and that's, 
you know, you have squirrel, you know, whatever the shiny object is, we, we chase it um, and it hurts us long-term and it drives us crazy because we, we get further and further behind making decisions in a system that doesn't work. Uh, but we don't question the system. We question our decision-making, which that's, you know, silly. It will drive us all crazy. Wow. Such great points. Uh, and well, I mean, it, yes, it's like you're speaking to me. It's so good. It really is. Um, and you are speaking to me, but you know what I mean? I know it's what you like, mean. Yeah. It's just, I think anyone too approaching uh, the values discussion and the goals from the very beginning is just being heard and developing the plan. And I have certainly done those online risk tolerance. I've also done the, how much do you have now? When do you want to retire? Like all of those data that spits out, but it doesn't ask those questions and it's not taking into mind, um, you know, what's going to make you happy and what you're looking to accomplish. It also doesn't, it, when you fill out a questionnaire, it doesn't, there's this thing in Buddhism called upaya. Okay. I'll just tell you a quick story. What upaya is, is skillful means. The story goes something like this. You know, the, the Buddha uh, stood on, um, stood in front of a, of a vast audience and he held up a flower. And as he held up that flower, one of the audience was suddenly enlightened because the Buddha, the Buddha knows, like he could see in that moment that if he held up a flower, someone would be enlightened. And the goal is to have people, help people become enlightened. That's skillful means, knowing what the message is that'll help the person that's receiving the message. That's skillful means. And, um, that's important because when you fill out these questionnaires, they don't know how you're going to emotionally respond to anything. And this, the game of investing is not one of intellect. It's one of what is your EQ? What's your emotional quotient? How do you slow down the movie so that you make better decisions? How do you, you know, experience the world as it is and then not just go, oh my God, or yay, and, and jump at it, right? Why, not judge it as good or bad. That's mindfulness. Don't judge the thing as good or bad. Slow it down. Let's look and see what's the right decision here. And then for us, we say, well, let's ask the plan what the right decision is. Let's, let's force ourselves to look at the long term. And then let's make the decision based on that long term. If my plan says I have to save $1,000 a month, and markets are off 30% and I'm nervous. I don't want to put my thousand dollars a month in this month because markets are down and I don't know if they're going to recover. Well, my plan says, and my plan is based on, you know, all the history it's based on stress tests. It's based on, you know, times when the market actually did go down and I recovered. It's time when the market, it's based on times when markets skyrocketed and then fell. That's all built in to the plan. So the plan says invest your thousand dollars. I see the long term. I'm just going to invest my thousand dollars. Um, and one of the conversations I had, and this is, this is not, you know, COVID, this is the 2008, the great recession. Um, I, had a, I had a client who told me to write my book and I started writing it in 2009 and, and I started writing it because she said, you know, this, you've got to tell the story. Um, and she was going to make an investment in 2009 and she made the same investment every year into a, into like a, a SEP IRA. She made the same investment every year for 10 years. And that year she was like, I don't, I don't think I can do it. Like markets are down. The world looks like it's, it's going to end the, you know, the economic environment. I can't see this ever recovering. All the pundits are saying that this time is different. You know, I don't think I can put it in. And I said, and I said, I don't know how it turns. I just know that it turns. That's all I need to know. I don't know when, I don't know how. I just know that it turns. 
And it was this whole conversation that led up to that, that little piece that she was like, okay, I can put this to work. By the way, Jonathan, you have to go write a book now. Uh, and, and, so, and that's where the, that's where the book came from is this whole idea of, of how do you not respond? And it starts with that non-judgmental awareness of what's going on. It's not good or bad. Markets are volatile. That's what markets are. Um, you know, whenever, no one ever says when the market goes up, 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 oh, I don't like this volatility. They don't do that. Right? When it goes down, that's when they say they don't like the volatility. It's so funny. Let's talk about the book really, really quick to dive into that. So your book is called Mindful Money. Mm-hmm. And it is about simple practices of so some of the things that we've talked about for reaching your financial goals and increasing your happiness dividend. You talked a little bit about the book is, you know, trying to keep your mindset on the right, you know, the right thing. Does the book also help people create their own uh, goals and objectives plan or how does that piece of it work? So the, the third section of the book is all about, um, you, you know, your financial, the, the actual numbers in a financial plan. How, how, you know, how do you pay off debt? You know, how much do you need to save? What are you saving for? How do you get to retirement? All those kinds of stuff. That's all in the third section. If, if you start with chapter one, there's an exercise at the end of every chapter. And if you do the, the exercises, you understand your values, you understand your money scripts, you understand your stories, you start to understand your, your cash flow, you start to understand your, your net worth, you, you get to understand the basics of your finances, you start thinking about your goals, and by the end of the book, you actually have a simple do-it-yourself financial plan. Um, and so I have so often said, you know, I appreciate when someone says, thanks, I love your book, and I, and I say, well, did you do the exercises? And 90% of the people say, no, no, I didn't, I didn't do the exercises. And I'm like, well, then you didn't read the book. But the, the point is to get people to plan. You know, I, I ask people all the time, um, have you thought about a lifetime of cash? Have you considered and thought about all the trade-offs you need to make to get where you want to go? And 90% of people say, no, I haven't thought about that. Have you thought about what's really, really important to you that looking backwards from your 90th birthday, these are the things you will have had to have done in order to feel like you've lived, lived a great life, you know, based on your own values and your beliefs and your hopes and dreams. Looking backwards from your 90th birthday, what will have had to happen for you to be happy with your life? Have you thought about that? Uh, no, I haven't thought about that. So, I, you know, I, we, I see a lot of anxiety and a lot of angst and a lot of despair in the media. You know, we're, we're entering this political cycle and I just know we're gonna rip each other apart in this process. And I keep going, why not just spend a little time, get to know what's important to you, and guess what? Almost always, it's not selfish, right? You gotta, I mean, you have to have enough, but once you know what's important to you, suddenly you see places where you can help other people. And if you start with that, and the world just gets to be a better place. We don't have to, social media, oh my God, don't even get me started. Uh, the phone is just, I, got a, I have a 15-year-old and a 12-year-old, and I'm just, I'm just pulling my hair out in this whole conversation because they, they see all their friends and what they're doing, and it's, uh, it drives us, it pulls us in the wrong directions. And it will always pull us in the wrong directions if we don't have something to pull us in the right direction. So baseline your values, build your life on that. You know, do the math on the planning and, the, and figure out where the money should go. That's, I mean, that's the best way I know of to both financial success and a happy life. You mentioned a few things there as we're coming into the political cycle and <laughs> beating, beating each other up. And the other thing is just trying to not be pulled 
you know, while being on social media and seeing all the cool things that people are doing, whether it's a material thing or in its investment or something like that. Why do you think that money is such a significant source of stress, whether you have it or not? Like why? Well, we don't, there's two really big reasons, right? One, we don't, it's totally taboo as a topic. We're not allowed to talk about it with each other. Um, and the, because of that, the shame around, I don't have enough or I'm not good enough. And we judge ourselves based on that. It's, you know, it's, it's a very taboo subject. Second thing is there's no education on this stuff. And so most people, even really, really, really wealthy people don't, and they won't admit this, right? I, I made a lot of money. I wrote a book. I sold lots of books. You know, there's people in my, in my community that are, that are really incredible authors, um, that have sold tons and tons and tons and tons of books. And so they're, they are really well to do, but they don't know about money, right? They have it because they were successful at something, but they don't know how to manage it. And there isn't, unless you seek out a class or you've done your economics degree or, you know, you, you've studied personal finance there, we don't train people for this. I, it, it blows my mind that we expect that when you're 21, 22 years old, you're going to graduate from college and you're going to start a job somewhere and they're going to hand you a package of, you know, I don't know if you've ever done this. You, you get your packet of your, your onboarding packet at your new, at your new job. And it's got insurances and 401ks and, and, and just all piles of you know, legal work and contracts and this other stuff. And you, you get this whole pile of stuff and you're expected to fill this out and turn it back into somebody. How much should I contribute? You know, how should I invest my 401k? And you've never run into anything like this before. You maybe at one point in your life uh, had a, quarter of a semester on um, uh, uh, what, was the, what was the class in like ninth grade where you learn how to sew a pillow and balance your checkbook and maybe cook something. Right? That, was, that may be the extent, balancing your checkbook of your financial literacy. Um, so, you know, we're anxious. We have money. We don't know how to manage it. We don't have money. We think we should have more money. We don't know how to make more money. Um, and everything in our world, social media, the news seems to be about money, like inequality. If you have it, you don't have it. If you have it, you feel guilty about it. If you don't have it, you think you should have it. And you don't like those people that do have it. It's just, this is the line that we've drawn in our culture that we're going to battle over. Um, and everything is financialized and no one has a clue. And that's, it's incredibly sad. It isn't complex, but then you layer on everyone's selling something like, you open, the, you open a Forbes magazine or, or any publication or a newsletter from somebody that's in the financial services world, it's just sales. It's all sales. It's always selling, whether it's Vanguard selling low cost or whether it's Goldman Sachs selling you know, some amazing private equity deal or, or it, 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 they're all sales. Um, and, and so what is it? You don't have any education. Everyone talks about it. I don't know anything about it. What am I supposed to do? I, I'm going to be anxious. There's, I don't have another choice. So you got you to kind of find someone you trust. And I think this is where you started is you find somebody that's a fiduciary. You find someone that just, that's just fee only. Um, and, and, and if you're not going to do it yourself, people can do it themselves. But if you're not going to do that, if you're going to hire somebody, you want to hire somebody that has those two, those, two, you know, those two categories, fiduciary, fee only, really, really important. I absolutely agree with that. Is there anything else that you would say you should look for? And I, and I say this because I could reach out to my network and say, who do you use as a fee only uh, financial planner? And that's how I would find someone. Do you like them? Have they done well for you? Like what, what are the things that maybe 
people should explore a little bit there? I would say, do you trust them? And, 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 I, and I, would add, I would delve on that. Do you trust them? If, and let's you know, throw out a scenario. Uh, if in a couple, you know, one party usually deals with finances and everyone includes everyone, but, but usually there's one, par one partner that actually deals with it. And so you ask that partner and say, if, if you perished, would you trust that your financial advisor would take care of your partner or not lead them astray? Do you trust them that much? Would you trust that if something happened to you and your kids were taking over, would you trust that this financial advisor would, would, would manage that process for the benefit of the kids? That's really, you know, they have to be competent. They have to, you know, be honest. Um, but do, do you trust them in those deep emotional issues? And I think that's probably their fiduciary, their fee only, you trust them. Then on top of that, I would ask questions like, you know, do they educate? Do they provide services outside of, and then you'd line up the services. Like, do, do I want just planning? Do I want that planning to be hourly? Do I want someone to actually manage my portfolios for me? Do I want someone to be more active or more passive? Do I want somebody to be responsive to all of my calls? And then you just, you have to line up the service with the person. But if you, honestly, if you find, if you find someone that's a fiduciary, that's the only, that is trustworthy, I think you're probably done at, at that point. All the other stuff is gravy if it, if it lines up. Um, but if you trust them, then you're gonna, you know, whatever their fee is, I think they're worth it. Whatever they're, whatever they're if, if, if they're trustworthy, that's really, really, and they're fiduciaries, which means they have to look out for your best interest, and they're fee only, which means they're not taking commissions from you know, some other product or from insurance or for some, some investment product. Um, they're going to work with, and it's their job to find the lowest cost stuff for you. It's their job to put your plan first and your goals first, and it's their job to take care of you and yours. And if you trust them on top of that, I think that's pretty much everything. There's not going to be a big difference between in, in cost, maybe, maybe a percent, maybe $500 an hour at the end of the year, it's going to be roughly the same amount of money. When you think about it, they're all pretty, they all pretty line up. It's an efficient world for really good advice. You're going to, you're going to pay for that. You want somebody that, you know, will answer an email, you know, 10 minutes on one Tuesday a year, that's going to be cheap. It's also not going to be very effective. Yeah. Great points. Okay. Thank you for taking us through that. I am very, very interested to check out your book because I think uh, I like how you describe, I would do the exercises, <laughs> which means it can't be an ebook. So I'd have to actually, or I guess I could write it down separately, but in any case, um, tell us how listeners can get in touch with you or learn more. So the, the best thing to do is to go to our website. It's, uh, you know, it's HTTPS for, you know, colon forward slash forward slash money, mindful.money. It's not mindfulmoney.com. It's mindful.money. Um, you can find the book at the local bookstore. You can find, uh, find us on social media. But if you go to mindful.money and you sign up for our um, weekly commentary, then we'll, you'll let us, we'll let you know when we have courses. We'll let you know when we do live events. We'll let you know when we do it. We, we do a lot of live free training. I've got a, I've got a, um, a, savings, a savings and expense class, I think, this Thursday. That's, we, just, we do that in our community. And if people want to sign up for that, we, we invite folks to come and, and learn about personal finance. That is fantastic. Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Nicole. This has been great.
Thanks for tuning in to the Richer Geek Podcast, where we're helping others find creative ways to build wealth and financial freedom. For today's show notes, including all the links and resources from our show and more information about our guests, visit us at www.therichergeek.com slash podcast. And don't forget to jump over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and hit the subscribe button. Share with others who could benefit from listening. And leave a rating and review to get the podcast in front of more eyes. I appreciate you, and thanks for listening.